boy, you're eating a lot of pumpkin. <laughs> you got pumpkin pie. You got pumpkin soup. Uh, this is the Creative Double Shot, a conversation about building the creative life you want. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ginger. If you want more creativity in your life, let's talk. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Creative Double Shot. Welcome. <laughs> we'll outgrow this phase eventually. But I, I, hope, never. I hope we never do, actually. Um, today, we're talking about something that probably affects everybody at some point or another, probably almost daily for a lot of people in their creative practice. Last week, I mentioned a podcast, The Accidental Creative, and a, a fellow who wrote a book called How to Begin. Mm. And it kind of spurred this idea that we should probably dig in a little bit to getting started because that is something that we all have trouble with on, on many levels. You know, I think as people start their creative practice, just getting started, like, how do, how do I do this? How do I, what does a creative practice look like? How do I know I'm going to show up every day or every weekend or whatever you've set for yourself to be? Or, or even what am I going to do? Yeah. What do I want my practice to be? And so, yeah, we thought we'd maybe look at this from a couple different levels. And then we, in the past, have, we've got a couple of episodes we'll refer you to that are germane to this conversation. But I guess first and foremost, you know, I was thinking about when I started my writing practice, I didn't know what it would look like. And I had ideas about what it could look like and should look like. And of course, what it looks like now is nothing what I imagined. And, and uh, But I did get started. Mm. And I'm not sure how I managed to do that. But I think there was a lot of fear. Like, think of all the things we've gotten into in our lives, listeners and ourselves, but just like, oh, we really want to do this thing. And then, you know, fast forward to a month or two later, and it's like, eh, I guess I didn't really want to do that thing. Um, you know, we dabble in things. And, and I think that's maybe, maybe one of the more daunting parts of a creative practice when you think of it as like this whole long thing stretching out before you for the rest of your life or or if you haven't, you know, like in, in my case, I was starting, I wanted to write a novel, which of course I'd never done. And of course, learned a lot in that process. But it was like thinking about it from that standpoint, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, can I, oh, can I do this? so daunting. Yeah. I think there's a nugget in there that kind of speaks to how you approach your creative practice on a daily basis. Because if you think about the, the metaphor of eating the whole elephant, right? Like you which is horrible, right? Because <laughs> we shouldn't be eating elephants. Never. <laughs> and uh, how about uh, eating the world's largest pumpkin? We can Ooh. do that. But you don't eat it in one bite. You take a lot of little bites and boy, you're eating a lot of pumpkin. <laughs> you got pumpkin pie, you got pumpkin soup, uh, pumpkin spice lattes. Anyway, you have this giant pumpkin. <laughs> there I was. You might, you might be in a carriage with Cinderella. Anything's possible here, right? Wasn't the pumpkin? Anyway. Um, There's a shoe. <laughs> some rats. <laughs> bibbity bobbity boo. However, a lot of times we stall ourselves from taking that first step because it seems so daunting. And uh, we feel like, oh, well, I need to be prepared. I need to figure out how, well, I can't just start doing it. I have to, you know, kind of like we did with this podcast. We're like, well, how do we do? I, I don't know. Let's just set up a recording stuff and get started and we'll yeah. see what happens. And, uh, this isn't contradicting our conversation about pantsing and plotting and stuff that we had last episode, right? Right. But, it's but, an interesting continuation of that. Yeah. It really is. And, and the idea that you need to be perfectly prepared before you get going is, is a false notion because you'll never be 
perfectly prepared because once you get started, as we talked about with the process, things diverge and change and you kind of, once you get into that fog, you kind of are improvising a good bit as you go. So that's a long way of saying that really you just get started and then you kind of see how it unfolds and be willing to change how you approach it if something's not working as opposed to saying, well, it didn't work. I tried, can't. And I I realize that this podcast is maybe one of the only times I've not overthought something. And maybe that's because it was in partnership. So you actually got the ball rolling. It wasn't all on me to do that. But another thing that this podcast has taught me is, hey, you can just jump in. Just get in there. Yeah. I think that brings us to another useful thing that you can do if you do find yourself struggling is you you could try to find an accountability partner. Even if you're not like, say, you're a visual artist, you're not in the studio together, but like you have your uh, weekly call yeah. with a colleague that uh, is super helpful for kind of like, okay, well, where am I since last week? What's going on? And it's not like you beat each other up if you didn't do what you said you were going to do last week or right. anything. It's just, hey, it, it, it is a nice little boost though, right? How, do, how does that work for you when you think about, oh, I have my call this week. What have I done since last week? Exactly. It kicks some things into gear sometimes. Like, oh no, I need something. I got to have something to tell her. It actually works as an accountability. And even right. then, it's a fun thing to take apart if you're not, or, or not take apart, but you know, it's a fun thing to examine. Yeah. If you haven't done anything you said you were going to do, well, why? Yeah, I think that's that's fantastic. And so that's goes back to the whole idea that your creative practice is a very fluid thing. It's nice if you can build some routine into it because then it you know the other part is just showing up, right? You don't have to be a, a fire with inspiration or ideas or whatever, but just showing up is a I think probably more for the daily part of it versus thinking of just getting your big like just getting that first step of your whole creative practice. But on a daily basis, I think that's probably where more of the struggle comes in for the getting started. We've talked about washing dishes a lot, you know, (laughs) like all these chores that we like. Somehow we put things ahead of our creative practice that aren't really that important. And there's a reason for that probably, right? right? I have, I've always had, and I know it now to be a false idea that I'm going to feel better sitting down to my creative practice. If I have everything that right. I should be doing out of the way, I hold creative practice out as a carrot for myself to get other things done. And yet that way of thinking about it creates this preciousness and this pressure kind of in a way. And also I end up not honoring it because a lot of times getting taking care of all that other stuff either saps all your energy so you don't have it left for your practice or it just keeps you from doing it at it all. It saps your time. Yeah. And suddenly it's like, oh, I only have 20 minutes, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think about the money people and one of the biggest tenets of m- managing money is pay yourself first, dep- mm. depending on who you talk to, but you know, who, who you, whose money philosophy you subscribe to. <laughs> but I think that's really important with your life and time as well. It's like, pay yourself first. Like, that doesn't mean you don't do anything ever. And I'm just, hey, I'll be in the studio for the next six years. Good luck. Um, (laughs) But think how good you feel when you have a studio session or when I have a writing session. I'm like, man, it makes my day complete no matter what time I do it, whether it's my normal morning time or maybe I do an evening session. But 
after that's done, I feel I feel really good versus having it hanging over me, which is funny, right? It's like right. this thing that you're supposed to enjoy is hanging over you. <laughs> and the reality is, is that the dishes will be there. All that stuff will be there. And of course, if you have a communicative relationship with your family or if you, if you don't live alone, you know, then yeah, you work it. Hey, look, I, this is, it's important for me to do this. And if I have it scheduled, then it just becomes part of the routine. Whereas if it's like, you always feel like you're trying to get into the studio at a different time and just trying to wedge it in, the chances that you're not going to get in there are pretty high. Yes. And that is something I am guilty of. And I think really a pivotal change in both our creative practices was the time you decided I'm going to start getting up early because we had a small child and early was the only time. And setting that kind of goal, even though you meet it more than I do. Yeah, but... <laughs> but still, that setting that as like, okay, that's my intention. I'm going to get up at this time. And you started paying yourself first and you were a role model for me. Well, and one of the big reasons I did it was because at the end of the day, I always just felt too tired, you know, and, and foggy and all that kind of stuff. And, and I've since learned that that's not necessarily the case. Like if I show up in the evening mm. and sit down and intent, just like, okay, let's do this. And then what's, it's always, it's getting started. That's the yes. hardest part, right? And so, so that became a narrative, not being able to do it in the evening yep. and also having small our child got older. That's true. So having a small child, you really are more exhausted at night, I think. Yeah, it's, it's nonstop from, uh, especially right. once nap time goes away. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Brutal. So the daily part, like if you can schedule it, that's probably better than if you just try and do catch as catch can, um, because then it's easier to just not do it because like, well, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. And one of the things that is behind all of this, of course, is the, the, there's a fear factor. This idea that, well, but what if I get there and what I make is, isn't very good or if I don't have any ideas or any of that kind of stuff. And the reality is, is once you sit down and get in there, your brain will take over. You know, I know for writing, even like right now, I'm, I'm reading through my novel for the second time and actually doing a bunch of markups and, and doing comments and stuff like that. And every time, I think for me, part of the fear is that like I'm gonna uncover new work that needs to be done. <laughs> Which is funny because, yes, it's work, but at the same time, I know it's going to make it better. So, like, I try and focus on the making it better part than the additional work part. Right. To, because that's exciting because I want it to be better. Like, I want this thing to be better than it is right now. And so, like we talked about last week, the process is the goal. It's the product. So the process is the product. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and uh, I was kind of bellyaching this morning a little bit about the word practice even. <laughs> because, I, you know, I was kind of weaving the, the practice that we think of with sports or musical instruments or uh, just any skill, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm no the good drudgery. at this. Yeah. The drudgery. <laughs> like, I don't want to practice. I, like, I remember it, I was saying, I think I even said this morning, I'm like, oh, I remember in high school, you know, I used, to, I used to like going to sports practice. And now I think about it, it's like, that's not true. I just wanted to scrimmage and play games because that's when it was the most fun, right? right. There was the most free-flowing, improvisational. And practice was like this thing that you had to do and usually involved conditioning. So it was just like, <laughs> oh, this sucks. But then there's the practice of sort of like a meditation practice or a yoga practice or a creative practice where it's not, you're not practicing necessarily for the goal of a, a, a summit. Right. You were just, it's a journey and we can get all metaphorical here with landscapes. But anyway, it's a journey that, and going back to what you said about the process being the product, I mean, that's it. Like this is, this is really it. And so, um, trying to cling to that more. Anyway, 
I just sort of went down the side road, but just that the semantics of like how we take language and we use it sometimes as an excuse. Well, I don't want to practice, you know, so I'm not going to do it. Yes. Um, so I don't know, call it whatever you need to call it to, to make it sound more enjoyable. Yeah. And I was reading an interesting article as an NPR article from like 2019 or something, but they were talking about this expert was saying, think of your creative practice like anything else you do for your health, like oh, eating yeah. well and exercising and spending time with family and friends and that kind of stuff. It's it's what you do to restore and reconnect with yourself and, re- and connect with the world. And there's real value in thinking of it like that. And it's also, though, what you just said kind of made me think that sometimes it's also like, oh, it's one more thing I have to do yeah. to be good for me, you know, like, and then you get this little resistant <laughs> part it's or something. true. I, you know, the, I think the nice thing personally is that better feeling thought where if I'm a little resistant, I can go, oh, man, I know what it's like to be in front of the keyboard or in front of my manuscript and working through it and just kind of that problem solving brain kicks in, the endorphins are rolling. And it doesn't necessarily mean that what, when I finish, it's like, oh, it's amazing. But that process itself, the feeling of being in that, the flow state essentially is, is awesome. And who doesn't want to be there? Always feels good. Mm -hmm. And I think you said yesterday, you never feel like you've regretted sitting down to do a creative session. That's true. Oh, I shouldn't have done Another one of sitting down every day is also that whole idea of like, well, don't think of it as like, oh, I've got three hours in the studio. It's like, well, let me just, let me just sort of noodle around on this thing for five minutes because again, your brain will take over and you're suddenly in the moment as opposed to thinking about how it's going to go bad or, or how you're going to be uninspired or whatever. All those things that we always go, well, what if, what if I get down there and this happens? And it's like, well, you don't know until you get down there and, and it probably won't happen because it right, rarely exactly. does, right? The things you worry about most. Don't happen. Yeah. And I think big blocks of time are definitely something that scare me. Yeah. Even though, I mean, I think I need them. And then I usually am most excited about the process about half an hour before I leave to pick up somebody from school. No, it's true. It's uh, when I first started writing, I wasn't working because I was able to take time off. And I remember those days and I remember it would be like, well, I'd have a word goal but I would take a lot of that time, almost, what, probably six to eight hours a day. I was like, I need to treat this like a job. And, and the reality is you can't, like, I can't sustain writing, especially like first draft writing for eight hours. I just, maybe it's a narrative, but it's exhausting to me. So what I found once, once I started working full time again and, and doing the morning sessions was that really an hour or two hours is, is a nice chunk of time for me. Probably an hour is really a nice chunk of time for me to actually write. And, and I think even with the stuff that I'm doing now with the editing is same thing. It's like, man, it's because it's pretty intensive, man. The brain's spinning. You're trying to like make connections and fit pieces together. And to do that for like a, a sustained period of time is hard. And a little anecdote from back in my college days, I was working for a painting company. And I, I don't know if any of the guys that I worked with will ever listen to this, but <laughs> our boss one time said, he's like, Johnny, you're too sporadic. You can be more like Timmy. He's more methodical, you know? And I th- so I think I've kind of always worked that way, sort of in bursts as opposed to like, oh, I'm right. just going to methodically plod my way through and just do like just a rhythm and stuff like that. I think I'm just more fits and starts. Yep. Me too. And uh, I think a lot of people are, you know? And, I, and so when you have those large blocks of time and you don't fill them up with 
productivity, right? <laughs> the damn Puritans. <laughs> now, what, sorry, it's been a while since we <laughs> exactly. cursed the Puritans. Um, but it, I think that's part of it too, is that idea that you come away and you're like, well, I don't have anything to show for these three hours. When in fact, really, I would say probably even if you're, if you're in the studio for three hours and you're only painting for 40 minutes, it's still pretty good time that yeah, you get to be in there good. Yeah. and you can journal and you can sort through things and all that, the moodling stuff that Brenda Eulen talks yes. about, right? And I think we have talked before about having a little place for you to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, we're doing this professionally, so I have a studio, you know, whatever, but for many years had a corner of the kitchen table and it was a real change when I had my own desk and a little easel there. Mm-hmm. Because to be able, if, you, if you're going to do it in little chunks, if you don't have big chunks, which many people don't have big chunks of time to do for their creative practice, if they're not making their full living from it, then having a place that's easily accessible and yeah. you can just sit down, use it. We do a whole, we have a whole series on uh, barriers to creativity that we did early on in the podcast that be worth checking out just in terms of like, ah, oh, I've kind of need to recenter. And, and I think we get into space and time, not in the Stephen Hawking sense, but just having space, having time. Um, Inner Critic is one, episode mm. 13, which kind of digs into some of that fear stuff that was talking about um, and our response. And, and I, think, I think knowing why we are resistant to it um, is pretty helpful to being like, oh, that's just this. And it, it's, I'm putting a lot more weight on this fear than it deserves. Right. And Not think, enough weight on the feeling that I'm going to yeah. have when I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we've mentioned the War of Art which it's funny, I was reading a, a blog post, I think it was today or yesterday, and this woman was talking about, yeah, you know, I came here to talk about getting started, and I was thinking of the war of art and resistance and all this stuff, which I think is a, I think resistance is a nice term for it, but she made the point of, like, but then I was reading, it's like, oh, I don't want to think of this as war, you know, like, and, <laughs> right. and she pivoted to Austin Cleon to keep mm. going, his book, Keep Going. But basically, it, it's all about your keeping, you know, creative practice, just like keep after it. And, uh, and there are all these terms, you know, from the business world and stuff about like, basically these incremental pieces eventually add up. And, and I think again, not trying to eat the whole pumpkin at one time, giant pumpkin, excuse me, at one time is, is a really good metaphor to, to try and cling to. It's like, yeah, you know, again, why am I doing this? What do I hope to get out of this? And probably most of the time it's just that feeling of being in the creative flow. Yeah. I don't know if we helped anyone with actually getting started, but uh, really, I think demystifying it, taking fear away, uh, putting little me- mechanisms in place to help you just show up. Yes. Just, just showing up, man. That's. And our bonus episode, Take One Action. It's probably the height of our <laughs> podcasting powers. No, it was early on, so I don't know how it plays now. I haven't yeah. listened to it recently, but, but that's the sentiment. It's just like, man, just get started. And there's also a ton of stuff out on the internet. We, uh, Wow, yeah. And, and it's, the cool thing is it, it's not just creativity, right? It, this one guy was talking about getting started doing a new activity that you've never done before. I was thinking about the book you read, Beginner. Yeah. And the idea that, you know, just bringing like all your fears to that. Well, what if I fail? What if people laugh at me? What if someone captures it and I go viral on the internet when I'm doing a, my scorpion fall on my skis going down <laughs> giant mountain? Um, what if I'm just not good and it's depressing? Yeah. I don't know, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and it's that, that whole idea, it, you know, going back to that, to well, I need to prepare, I need to gather information, I need to know everything there is to know before I can get started because I don't want to come to it. And, and I think sometimes 
there's a beauty and a freeingness of freedom, I think is the word, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, the freedom of ignorance, right? Like, mm. because if you, a lot of times, if you know everything that's going to be challenging, you won't get started. But if you're like, I'm just going to get started and then I'll face these as I go. I think that's helpful too. And just be willing to be fluid in how you approach your creative practice on a big level and day to day. It's true because I think, and and we have an episode about narratives. I think <laughs> I definitely sometimes have a narrative like I won't be able to face those challenges or whatever. Like I'm not, I don't have the confidence to just dig in or, or you know, whatever. Yeah. And the fact is that I do, you know, if you really look at things. But you tell yourself things. I think, yeah, we can be our own worst enemy. Well, and it's interesting you say that. One last thing, sort of, maybe. Um, but... <laughs> Thinking about, you know, you've been doing this for over 10 years and every day just about we all struggle with these self-doubts and the fears and all that stuff. And uh, it's just part of the human condition, really. And it's, I, I think for anyone who's just starting out, I think it's really good to know that. Like it, or maybe it's daunting. I don't know. It never gets easier. It's, it's terrible. Don't do it. I've been reading this book on uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson mm. and just the the way that the the I can't remember the oh, author. Gosh. He's a scholar of Emerson. It's cool because some of Emerson's writing is pretty opaque, mm-hmm. especially like you can't just whip through it. You're like, all right, I'm going to reread that five times and <laughs> maybe understand what the heck he's talking about. But it, it's very clear that he struggles with like he's on this emotional roller coaster of creativity. And granted, he thinks of himself as a scholar, not a writer or a creative. He's I'm a scholar. But uh, anyway, it's just kind of nice to know that these people who are at the height of their game still struggle with these things uh, on the regular. Yes. And, uh, and that's not to say that it's never like, oh, it never gets fun or, or parts don't get easy. I mean, the technical aspects of it will eventually get easier to some degree. But the stuff that the striving, I think, is always fraught with this because you're always trying to go new places and open up new doors and do, do things that are interesting to you. And that brings with it challenge. Yeah. And that's kind of neat. So That's living. That, that's, that's living. <laughs> living the Miller High Life. Yeah. Um, so that's really it. Stop listening to this podcast. Go sit down, put your butt in the chair. Or get in, in there. The yeah, and just, as Jonathan would say. Get in there, man. Get in oh, there. and I wanted to just quickly say something about last week's podcast. We were talking about going like not knowing, you know, going in there, not knowing. And a couple of hours after the podcast, I said, I'm going down to the studio. I don't know what I'm doing. And as I was heading down the stairs, Jonathan yelled, enjoy not knowing what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah. Have fun with it. Just get in there. (laughs) A couple things. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to review it on your favorite podcast platform. Supposedly, Spotify has reviews now. I couldn't find it, but maybe it's because it's our podcast. I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, I was going to review that. I was going to say, no. you're not allowed to give yourself five stars. That's probably for the best. <laughs> um, and also on the website, creativedoubleshot.com, there is now a uh, newsletter sign up. The newsletter doesn't exist yet. We're working on that. But uh, if you feel like that'd be something you'd like to get in your inbox, you can sign up now. And then once we get it rolling, I think we'll send six a day. No, Early just... adopters. <laughs> six six <laughs> newsletters a day will show up in your inbox, <laughs> mostly with cat pay. No, uh, it, it'd probably be a pretty occasional thing, you know, maybe once, twice a month, something along those lines. So 
Other than that. And share. Oh, yeah. Share. Share. Everybody. Anybody. So, yeah, that's it. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time on the Creative Double Shot. See ya.